Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Bull. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's Friends of the Earth Melbourne's weekly radio program on 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. My name is Megan Williams and I'm the River Country Coordinator at Friends of the Earth. And today on the show, we'll be talking to Kate McBride, who's a fifth-generation farmer from the Lower Darling, who has been on the front line of the recent fish kills uh, and the environmental disaster that's been unfolding on one of our greatest rivers. As you might know, millions of fish have died out there this summer. But how did it all happen? And what do we need to do to fix the problem? Well... A new report has just been released yesterday and Kate will be joining us to tell us exactly what's going on. That's all coming up on the show after this community service announcement. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. So the nation has been reeling at the images of thousands upon thousands of dead fish floating in stagnant green waters of the Barker, commonly known as the Darling River. First there were 10,000 fish in December, then we saw images of up to a million fish in early January, followed by another event of possibly up to a million fish uh, in quick succession a couple weeks later. On the line we have Kate McBride, who grew up on the Darling River on a sheep station known as Talano Station, 40 kilometres south of Menindee. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me, Megan. Uh, you're very welcome. Now, um, just to give us an idea of how long this has ha- been happening, can you tell us what the river was like when you were growing up? Yeah, so um, when I was growing up, we, the river always had water in it, and I think I almost took that for granted. It was just it was always there. Um, you know, it was healthy. <clears throat> there were always fish, everything like that. 
Um, and unfortunately, it was in about 2015 when the river all of a sudden went completely dry. And that's when I realised something's up here and it's, this isn't normal. And we had eight and a half months of it being completely dry and we eventually got some water down. But then this year, or last year, of course, in December, we had that first mass fish kill and that was something that I'd never seen before and the locals had never seen before. Um, it was absolutely devastating to see, you know, this is our home, um, and to see all of those fish um, die because of, um, you know, something that should have been controlled is really devastating for the area. Mm. And so back in 2015 when the river dried up for the first time, what was going on? Yeah, so similar sort of things. I mean, the, the water just wasn't getting down the river. So we ha- we're just below the Menindee Lakes. And so we're actually a regulated system. So it means that we've almost always got water. Um, further up in the Darling, it does sometimes go dry and they've learned to manage that over the years. But what happened that first time was exactly the same as the, um, the most recent time. So the lakes were um, drained and then the water just wasn't coming down the rest of the Darling to actually rejuvenate those lakes. Um, and so we had absolutely nothing for eight and a half months. This time, it's a similar sort of thing around. Um, We've actually got block banks um, put in by the government along the lower Darling, so where I am. We've got four of them, so it's keeping a small amount of water back now, but flows have completely stopped coming out of the lakes, and so it won't be many more months until we are seeing completely dry Darling River again. And above Menindee, we're already seeing a completely dry river. I mean, you know, you go up to Tilpera and you can walk across the river. There's absolutely nothing. Hmm. And so you say that the lakes were drained um, and that happened twice in four years. Uh, what, what was going on? Why, why was the government draining the lakes? So we're still sort of trying to work out exactly why they do that. Um, there's a few things. Now, South Australia actually cops a lot of it because the um, current New South Wales government they get to choose where water goes from. So, of course, South Australia gets a set amount of water and they have to get that every year to sustain um, their irrigation and and their needs of Adelaide and all the other towns as well. So they get that set amount. But New South Wales can decide where that water comes from. And so they decide that, well, the Menindee Lakes is less efficient, so it evaporates more than other dams, so we're going to drain them first. So that's what happened. We got our lakes drained because they're playing efficiency off against nature. And I'm sorry if nature isn't incredibly efficient, but there's a reason it's not, and it's because evaporation means that we get water. And we know that when the lakes are full, we get more rain. And we wish they were full right now, because, of course, we are dealing with a drought as well, but that isn't what's caused this. It's it's water being released too quickly. Um, There was a number of different other reasons as well, Um, environmental waterings and things like that, which we are completely for, but all of the water came out of our lakes and we're at about 3.2% capacity now and we're in a lot of strife. Mm. And you mentioned um, trying to... to, um, the government's been taking actions to control the river to be more efficient than nature... I've never really bought into that argument in that nature is the most efficient at what it does. Um, So, like, how does it... What's the effect on the community um, seeing that the the government's coming in, trying to control how those natural processes 
are happening. Yeah, what's what's happening? Yeah, so for your listeners, what they're trying to do is actually effectively decommission a number of these lakes, and these lakes are huge. They're critically important for fish breeding, and also we see about 200 different species of birds up there. So, I mean, you are in the middle of Australia. Sometimes it does feel like a bit of a desert, but you come across these lakes, and when they're full, it's like an oasis. You get pelicans, you get black swans, you get everything. Now, what they're trying to do is decommission these and not hold water in them half of all, like at all, pretty much. So that's going to be devastating. I mean, it will destroy the township of Menindee, which have relied on these. But the other people it really affects as well is the Bakinji people. So they're the indigenous people out there. Um, we've we know that they've been there for up to forty five thousand years. There's um, things found around the Menindee Lakes that shows that they have been there, and this is really affecting them too. This is destroying their culture. Um, a number of the fish, so the bony brain there, that's actually like their totem. And we're seeing all of them die in these latest fish kills. And I've seen them physically crying. Like they are, you know, this is destroying them. It's destroying their culture. They can't take their kids out to show them um, what the river should be. And the hard thing is, I mean, we have already like had bad impacts on this river. I mean, we can speak to old people and they know that the Darling River used to be clear. And how amazing would that have been? So the Aboriginal people used to be able to go down and actually pick up fish with their hands. And now they can't do that anytime, even when there's water, because, of course, it's, it's um, the carp have made it all murky. But now that they've got absolutely no water at all, I mean, well, Kenya's just up the road. Um, and they've got a life expectancy of 37 for males. Mm. And that's what we're contending with out there. And that's what's not getting out to the public. And it's so critically important. Um, you know, we talk a lot about closing the gap, but we're leaving the Barkindji people out there to die and it's absolutely devastating. Um, you know, they take so much care and pride in the river. They actually, because their name comes from it. So, of course, as you said, the Darling River, their name for it is the Barker. Um, and their um, their name is the Barkindji people. So they say they're the people of the river. So they don't own the river. The river owns us and it's like their mother. And that's, you know, and for us to destroy it is... It's absolutely heartbreaking for them and it's heartbreaking for all of us i mean we all care about the river we all work very closely with barkindji people and we have great respect for them but we're just seeing the effects of it on them um in particular now Mm. yeah it's absolutely devastating the scale of what's happening out there and the scale of the failure of government to um to address the issues um and so interestingly yesterday a report came out by the Academy, the Australian Academy of Sciences, and it found that the root cause of the fish kills was that there was ultimately not enough water in the Darling system, and they pointed the finger directly at excessive water extraction upstream. How does this line up with your experience? Yeah, absolutely. This backs up exactly what we've said. So all along, we've been saying that there's, there's two levels, there's two issues that have been mismanaged throughout this and caused this fish kill. So the first one we've always said was draining the lakes because if water was in those lakes and there should, well, they were drained in about 2016 and that should have been seven years worth of water for us. Now they were drained in, you know, just under three. So there's no water that those fish can go back and use as a sanctuary. So that was our first issue that it was drained. Our second issue is that water just isn't getting down the Darling anymore. So I was in Burt the other day and they said that 40% of the small to medium flows, which are those really important ones, actually don't come past Burke anymore. 
So that's what we're saying. It's just not coming down at all. And we're very happy that, you know, we've got the Australian Academy of Science backing up um, what we've always known and the people of Menindee and the Barkindji people have been saying for, for months, if not years. Mm, absolutely. And the number one recommendation to come out of the report was that the government must take urgent steps within six months to ensure that there are sufficient flows. Um, yeah, and that's critically important. And they've actually gone further as well. And they've said that if there's um, substantial um, rainfall, because, of course, that'll help us out, that that has to come down and embargoes have to be put on that water. But the other thing they've said as well is that if there isn't, they're going to have to purchase additional um, temporary water and make sure that it gets down. So it's, we've got a lot of people saying, oh, well, if it doesn't rain, we can't do anything, Every, like you know, and pretty much saying everything else is going to die in the river. But no, they're saying within six months, if it doesn't rain, that we need to take further steps and make sure that it does get down because... As they've um, pointed out quite clearly, the Darling's in a lot of strife. Um, and if we don't take these immediate steps, it, it's just going to get worse. Mm. And what, what would those steps look like to you? To sort of fix the Menindee Lakes and Darling? Yeah. I think the first one is that so we know, and it's been pointed out with this, that there is excess water, occur, uh, excess extraction um, happening further up. So whether that's buybacks, um, Labor and the Greens actually just voted really recently to lift the cap on buybacks. So there was a, um, a cap put on how much water can be bought back from irrigators. And this is voluntary, so they don't have to if they don't want to. But there was a cap put on that. So that cap's just been lifted, and that's really important to try and get water back down because we know there's just too much licensing occurring further up. The other thing that we've got to look at as well, which is occurring now, is floodplain harvesting. And New South Wales government is actually trying to licence that now. Now, that's going to be really dangerous for us because we know that all of our water comes from further up the top of the catchment. We're a bit like a channel. It doesn't really rain. Like, if it rains out our way, that water doesn't really get into the river unless it's a substantial amount. All our rain comes from further up. So what they're allowed to do at the moment is put banks up along the river and catch that water and effectively stop it from getting into the river at all. And that's a big issue. We need to look into that very closely and put a stop to it because we need our rivers to flow. Um, there's other things that they're going to, that um, recommendations that have been made in this most recent report. And one of them includes putting an Aboriginal or a Barkindji person on the Murray-Darling Basin Authority. And we've been pushing for this for years. That's critically important. They know this river. They've lived with it for a long, long time. And they know how to best manage it. And we're, we're very supportive of that. Um, and there's some incredible people out our way that we really do hope get involved with that. Um, there's also other recommendations to, you know, commission within 12 months an independent scientific panel um, to look at the implementation of these recommendations because that's something that really does have to happen. I mean, it's great that we've got these recommendations now, but we need the government standing up and saying, yep, we're going to do this. Mm. And when you hear the, the Academy of Sciences recommending panels and investigations, like, do you think there's a bigger investigation that should be happening out there? Absolutely. So we've been pushing for a long time now for a Royal Commission. Um, we probably started pushing for this back in 2015, the first time the river went dry. 
Um, so we've been pushing for a federal Royal Commission. It's critically important to get to the bottom of this. South Australia had a great Royal Commission. Unfortunately, the other states have decided that they're, they're not going to pay any attention to it and we're worried that not much will get done from that. It's critically important we get a federal one done, we get to the bottom of what's going on and we fix this river system um, because at the moment we're worried that it's going to get to the point where there's not going to be anything left to fix. I mean, you know, millions of fish die in Crystal in January um, as it is. What's going to be left? And if millions of fish dying isn't enough calls for a Royal Commission, I just don't know what is. Mm, absolutely. Well, we fully support your calls for a Royal Commission and for the government to take action to fix the issues on the Darling. Now, um, for people out there, um, what should they be looking at to stay up to date with what's happening and how can they get involved? Yeah, so there's a few um, different ways that people can get involved and keep up to date. So we've got our Facebook page, so Tolano Station, T-O-L-A-R-N-O Station. That's our little Facebook page and we post regular um, updates and videos of what's going on and we sort of try and keep it simple because it's a really complex issue. There's a few other things people can do as well. There's a lot of water runs actually occurring at the moment. So to townships like Menindi, Wilcania, um, Kilpa, where people are donating water. So if people can keep an eye out for that, I mean, I think $8 buys a carton of water and that can help a family for um, a fair while. So, you know, if people can keep an eye out for that, um, you know, that's two coffees and that would just, it means the world to everyone out there. Um, seeing the faces of, of everyone come together is, is really heartwarming. Um, and it's amazing that these communities are banded together to do that. So if people can keep an eye on that, but then also get onto your politicians. Tell them that you support a federal royal commission because we don't want to see this ever happen again. Um, so there are a few ways. We've also got a number of events coming up as well um, around the country. So they'll also be on um, the Tolano Facebook page. So uh, for people all over, we do try and arrange um, a number. So... Yeah, if people can get involved with that, that would be absolutely incredible as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for the inspiring work that you and everyone else out in the community is doing. Uh, it's really getting out there at the moment and you should be really proud of the work that you're doing. Um, thank you for everyone else getting behind it as well. I mean, that's what's making the difference. It's people listening and me and yourself coming out and, you know, talking about it and, and spreading the word because that's what's keeping it in the media attention. That's what we really need. So from everyone out in Western New South Wales, thank you so very much. All right. Thank you, Kate. That was Kate McBride talking to us about the fish kills and the health of the Darling River. If you want to get involved, as Kate mentioned, there are lots of actions happening around the country, so check them out. Um, or if you're based in Melbourne, you can always come down to a River Country campaign collective meeting at Friends of the Earth, Tuesday 6pm, where we talk about how we're going to support the communities out on the front lines and take action to hold the government to account. It's, it's 9.49 now and you're listening to 3CR. Hello, this is Dan Salton, and you're listening to 3CR Blackfellow Radio, Melbourne. And that was When the Rivers Run Dry by the Hunters and Collectors. Today we've been speaking to Kate McBride from Tolano Station out on the front line of the Menindee Fish Kills. 
Uh, if you'd like to get involved in Melbourne, next week we've got an info night on Tuesday the 26th of February, upstairs at Friends of the Earth. We'll be watching the Four Corners documentary that kicked off the, all these investigations uh, and talking about how we're going to take action. Uh, also at Friends of the Earth, we've got a call out for artists for the eight as for the Ace Art Auction, and um, you can come along to a collective meeting any night of the week, depending on what your interests are. This has been Dirt Radio. You're listening to 3CR. <laughs> 